Hello and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. This week in the BCL, three teams qualified for the playoffs. That's Nimburg, Tenerife, and Dijon. There were also some high-profile signings that we'll talk about and a crazy shootout in Poland between Anvil and Hapoel Jerusalem. Here to talk about all of that and more with me is David Hein over in Germany. Dave, how you doing this week? Very good. We have three teams in the playoffs, but we still have plenty of chaos in the uh, in the standings. Uh, plenty of works for the permutation guys and trying to figure out which teams <laughs> might uh, might uh, advance, win, and whatnot. So yeah, Group D is still hanging tough, even though Dijon has, has booked their ticket. Yeah, get those calculators out. Uh, three games oh, left for each team in the regular season. 13 playoff spots still up for grabs, so a lot to be decided over these next few weeks. It's going to be some very intense action, so we can't wait for that. Our guest on this week's episode is TJ Klein from Hapoel Halon. Uh, TJ has been at Halon for a few years now. He also has a mom who is very influential in the sport of basketball, and Halon have had a pretty fascinating season this year, uh, going through a lot of changes but still fighting for a playoff spot in Group A. So stay tuned for that coming up later in the show. Make sure you go to the official website, championsleague.basketball, to follow along and read everything up on the site. Deacon Lloyd-Smith did a closer look on Turk Telecom this week, so go check that out. Igor Jerkovic, of course, has his power rankings every week, and Dave is writing all sorts of articles. Uh, we talked about the Cubans in the BCL last week. Uh, Dave, did you, do, did you do any new articles for this week? Uh, not this week. Uh, I'm slacking off, I guess, a little bit, uh, but I got one coming up on Monday, uh, and I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll uh... I'll, I'll, I won't spoil it. I'll let the, the readers, uh, listeners of the BCL wait until Monday or slash Tuesday in the, at the latest to find out what's, uh, what's coming up from, from uh, my magical pen. All right. So go to championsleague.basketball to check that out. And, of course, follow the league at BasketballCL on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Let's jump in with the Game Day 11 Team of the Week. Leading it off, the MVP, Jacobin Brown from Hapoel Jerusalem. He had 21 points, 10 assists, and 6 rebounds as they got an important win on the road at Anvil. Lamonte Ulmer from Dijon, 15 points, 11 rebounds, and 75% shooting from the field as he helped Dijon qualify for the playoffs. Our guest, TJ Klein, he had 18 points and 10 rebounds for Halone as they beat Strasbourg in Group A. Zach Hankins from Nimburg, 18 points, 7 boards, and some great defense as Nimburg upset Tenerife on the road and uh, tied them at the top of Group C. And Dave, the, the last member of the team of the week is uh, one of the, the youngsters who's been one of your favorites this season uh, who got the last spot. Yes. Yes, yeah, Samus Hauser. Uh, great performance for Ben Dirma. Um, just uh, probably one of the one of the you know bigger upsets of the week. You know, great game for the youngster. Uh, was hitting three pointers, uh, twenty three points, four threes, six rebounds, three six assists, three steals, all over the place. Um, so great to see. Um, great to see him. Uh, perform at a high level, which a lot of people thought, uh, you know, that he that he can uh, and has in the past. So, 
Deserved spot. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of guys who didn't make the team of the week but had an argument, uh, I'll go with two Turk Telecom guys, uh, Nick Johnson, who filled up the box score for them, 16 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks, only 1 turnover in 33 minutes, and Turk Telecom beat Manresa in a very important game at the top of Group A. And also Kyle Wilcher in that game had 22 points, another big performance from him. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the team of the week overall. Uh, Dave, is there anybody else that you thought had a pretty good argument this week? Yeah. Like you mentioned, you know, that was a big game too. Turk, you know, Turk Telecom, uh, getting the, the win over Manresa, two teams that were seven and three. Um, I think Josh Young could have deserved a little bit, uh, from Fechte, the big win, uh, over, uh, Antwerp with 25, uh, 25.66 assists. Um, and, uh, you know, Gaziantep, not a team that we, we talk about, uh, a lot. Uh, Sharunas Vasilauskas, uh, came off the bench for 21 points, um, was perfect from the field for four threes, seven rebounds, seven assists and a block. Um, you know, in, in some weeks he's, he's, uh, he's, he's right up there. So, uh, I think that he could have, uh, grabbed the spot, but like you said, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, take any of those guys off. And, and actually, I guess uh, the the other uh, couple of the other um, Jerusalem guys who we'll talk about uh, in the in the Jerusalem game. Look to the inside with him. Double team will come from the low side for Manresa. Knows Wiltshire for three. Huge shot for Carl Wiltshire. All right, so let's start off the group-by-group breakdowns with Group A, and let's start with that Turk Telecom versus Manresa game, just because it was such an important game in the standings. Both teams were 7-3 and three entering the game. Turk Telecom ended up winning this one at home, 78-72. Manresa decimated before the game even started with a flu that went through the team. They only had seven players for this game. Uh, it's, it's actually like kind of shocking when you look at the box score and just see how, how little there is there. Uh, only seven players for Manresa. They fought very hard, though, in this game. They actually had the lead, led by nine points. At halftime, they came out with a lot of energy, uh, but in the third quarter, Turk Telecom really took over. They outscored Manresa 24 to 9 in that period, and then their depth uh, and energy levels uh, proved to be the difference late in this one. So, Turk Telecom are now tied with Sasari at the top of Group A at 8 and 3, Manresa in third place behind them at 7 and 4. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on, on this one and the, uh, the Turkish team getting the win over Manresa in Ankara? I mean, you have to you have to tip your hat to Manresa. Those guys, seven of them. Um, you know, you had even a guy. It's not nineteen year old uh, David Serrano. You know, played eighteen minutes, um, two points, three rebounds, two assists, and a steal. He played three minutes in the, in, the, in his only other two games, um, and they needed him for eighteen minutes. Uh, and they were in this game too. You know, you, you said they, they, that Turk Telecom took over. It was seventy five, seventy two. Uh, in the final minute. Um, so just the fact that, that they, and it was on the road, you know? So, I mean, just the fact that they almost grabbed this game was just, it's just, uh, just, you know, you have to tip your hat to them. Elsewhere in Group A, Ostend with a very important win on the road, beating Leet Cabela's 76 to 68. Uh, with that win, they maintain control of fourth place in Group A and also 
knocked off Elite Cabellus, who were just a game behind them entering this game. So big win for the Belgian club as they win their third straight game in the BCL. Cesari beat Torun 91-71, to and Halone beat Strasbourg 101-94. to Strasbourg have now lost seven straight in all competitions. They are 4-7, and seven, and it seems uh, like almost a 0% chance that they'll make the playoffs now. A, a team that Dave and I both thought had Final Four-level talent entering the year. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts on Group A? Um, the stock is falling with Strasbourg. Yeah, plummeted. Oh God. Um, we talk a little bit more about this game with um with uh, TJ Klein, so I'll kind of leave it for that. Uh, but you know, York, um, Gabe York, f- seven of sixteen, uh, shooting. Um, and Troy, you know, you gotta love uh, watching Ali Torre. Ten, ten of twelve, uh, shooting for twenty one points. Um. Austin, how do they do it? You know, how are they doing it? Um, you know, defense and, and getting enough offense. McIntosh has been, you know, really big. Angola came came up big for them. Um, and, yeah, that's uh, – it's, uh, it's, it's a group that's, you know, uh, it's, it's exciting at the top and at the bottom, you know, who ends up finishing first and, and, and who's going to probably grab that, that fourth spot. Uh, so there's some drama in that group. He's up to 28 points. Jacobin Brown, stand still, three. Jerusalem take the lead by one. All right, moving on to Group B. Let's start it off with what Dave called the game of the week. Entering the week, I think it 100% lived up to the billing. Hapuel Jerusalem beating Anvil on the road, 107-102. to not a lot of defense uh, being played in this game, but some great offensive performances, uh, playoff-type atmosphere there it, with that great crowd in Poland. Jerusalem, they are the first BCL team ever to have four guys score 20-plus points in the same game with James Felding, John Holland, Tayshaun Thomas, and Jacobin Brown all surpassing 20. This was a really close game in the fourth quarter Anvil actually had the lead for a while. They were ahead 100 to 98 with about a minute left, but Jacobin Brown hit a clutch three-pointer. Tony Roten couldn't respond, and then Jerusalem did a really nice job just knocking down their free throws uh, there at the end and escaped Poland with the win. Uh, Dave, a lot of fireworks in this game. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on Jerusalem's big victory? Thrilling game. Uh, what a game. Lived up to its billing for sure. Um, Jerusalem just could not stop um, uh, Roten. Um, just, you know, whenever he really wanted to get to the basket, he got to the basket against any of them. You know, Blatt, obviously, because he's, you know, uh, a little, you know, quite a bit slower. But any of the guys that was on, were on him. Um, Ricky Ladeau had a fantastic game as well. Uh, you mentioned the four guys shoot, you know, four guys with 20 points. That was, you know, it, it was just an awesome shootout. It was close the whole game. Nine points, uh, was the biggest lead for, for either side. Um, you know, second chance points, Anvil 21 to three, you know, they were getting offensive rebounds. Um, and, you know, it was, it was it, 53%, 53% from three point range for, for, uh, for Jerusalem, they just, you know, 
um, Anvil had control of this game, really. You know, they never really, they never really let uh, Jerusalem, you know, kind of take o- take it over. They kind of just, you know, stole it at the end. You know, um, Anvil couldn't come through in the end in the final like two minutes, um, and so yeah, it was just all the weapons and, and hitting free throws. You know, fourteen to fifteen free throws for Jerusalem. So you know, go back and really watch this game because you know. If Anvil can make the playoffs, you know there there's a playoff fight in that one, and whether or not they can get in, that's still kind of up you know up in the air. Um, but if they can get in the in the playoffs, I, you know, not the time I had, I'm not not sure exactly, but I think they they might be the most dangerous you know fourth seed if they get in as a fourth seed. If they're a fourth seed, I'm a top seed. Uh, you know, if I, I'm I'm not going to want to play these guys at all. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, dominated the offensive glass, 66 points in the paint for Anvil in this game. And then you've got Roten and Ladeau and, and, uh, yeah, those, those guys just create so many problems on the perimeter with their athleticism and skill level. So yeah, Anvil definitely going to be very dangerous if they make the playoffs, but this was a big loss for them. They dropped to five and six. They're in fifth place in group B right behind Rastafecta and San Pablo Burgos at six and five. So they've got some work to do over these last three weeks. Elsewhere in group B, Bandirma with a big win on the road at Ike, 96 to 84. Bandirma, same record as Anvil. So they're firmly in the playoff mix in group B. Ike have now dropped two in a row and their first uh, BCL game with Howard St. Ruse did not go so well. Rastafecta beat Antwerp 79 to 72. Important win for them. And Poortez upset Burgos 80 to 76. Entering this game, Poortez were 27th in Igor's power rankings. Burgos were 9th. Justin Denman did not care about that. He balled out again. And Poortez with a big win over Burgos. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on the rest of Group B? Uh,. Yeah, you know, I mean, we we talked about the 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 fall of of Strasbourg. Um, Ike have to catch themselves. Um, you know, they they're still a game uh, ahead of the the mess. Let's call it six and five, five and six mess. Um, so I don't know if they're going to fall that uh, fall into that. Um, you know, but you know, you look at Langford was actually for his for his standard very efficient he was 10 of 16 usually you know he's not shooting that well um but 16 shots only you know the the other the the next uh, most shots taken were were eight with Kendrick Ray and and uh Nikos Gikas Gikas is now out for i guess somewhere around 2 months now with a with a i think a broken thumb uh i saw they extend they extended with with Chalmers there's talk about maybe bringing back um uh, Nico Cesis. This is, of course, not official. Um, um, but, you know, this is a team that's going to have to catch themselves. And on the other end, you know, Bandirma, you know, it didn't look very good that they could make it into the playoffs. But, uh, you know, they're, they're right there, you know, at, 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 at five and six, um, you know, a huge shooting day, uh, 72% on twos, 48% on threes. Uh, you know, we mentioned Hazer, you know, Smith was fantastic four or five threes and, and Emmanuel Terry, you know, he just continues to, to perform it, uh, you know, uh, day in, uh, week in, week out. And if nothing else, I want to see them make the, make the playoffs. Cause I love watching Terry play. 
And then Paul, I mean, you know, the huge win for them to, to, to somehow stay in the playoff race. 30 of 36 free throws uh, for, 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 for Poe. Um, great, great, great win for them. All right, moving on to Group C, another game that you could qualify as, as, you know, game of the week, game of the season type of level with Nimburg winning on the road at Tenerife 89 to 84, snapping Tenerife's eight game home win streak in the BCL. Coming into this game, Tenerife were number one in Igor's power rankings. Nimburg were number four, so we knew this was going to be a big game. Nimburg came out really pushing the pace. Uh, I thought Michael Dixon did a great job distributing, getting the ball up the floor quickly, and, uh, and, and scoring as well. He finished with 21 points. Nimburg played with a ton of confidence, great effort. They were just hustling everywhere, winning all of the 50-50 balls. They started out with a 7-0 lead. Tenerife got back in it thanks to Marcelino Huertas with 11 first quarter points. And it was kind of a, a back and forth game for a little bit. Uh, then in the fourth quarter, Huertas gets ejected with back to back technical fouls. Nimburg close out the game. Uh, Hayden Dalton hit a clutch pull up jumper. Zach Hankins made some important free throws. Yaramir Boachik hit a dagger three pointer. And Nimburg escape with the win. Uh, Dave, this was a really fascinating game overall from the way that Nimburg was defending Huertas to uh, how Hankins was able to just kind of completely shut down Georgie Shermadini. Uh, what, what did you think about this one with the Czech side winning in Spain? First of all, uh, 50, uh, 25 to 10 fast break points uh, really t- tells you a lot about how this how this game did go down. A win's a win, of course, um, but uh, and of course, Nimburg are going to take it. Uh, Tenerife did hold on to the advantage. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they won by ten in the first game uh, in in the Czech Republic. So they'll so they at least uh, were able to 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 get the tiebreaker on them to stay in first place. Um, it would have been interesting to see how this game would have ended if, if Huertas didn't get ejected. Um, just because, you know, he had 20 points, uh, in the first, uh, 24 minutes and, you know, was, was, I mean, they did a great job, you know, on, on Sherman Dini, but they really couldn't handle, uh, Huertas. So that would have been interesting to see if they, how this game would have ended if they, you know, cause they had problems with him, you know, he, but Huertas, everybody's been having problems with Huertas. Um, and, uh, you know, but Ruban was fantastic. Dixon, you mentioned Dixon, and one of the things I, you know, you kind of you kind of saw was that Dixon was like the calming influence. Then you know, and, and we talked about we talked about the young yeah. Americans who are kind of more the guards. You know, um, okay, obviously Hankins is, is the center, but you, know, you think think of Booker. You know, so but you know you they bring in Dixon, and it was kind of a calming calming influence. Um, you know, I've been around and done so many things, and so. Um, that was an, a, a dynamic that that was really uh, was really important. And 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 uh, Nimber coach, this last point, uh, Ari, um, Ariel um, said after the game, we learn a lot from them. We follow them a lot. There's a quote from the press conference. We learn a lot from them. We follow them a lot and see how they play. Um, so, you know, this is a team that that you know Tenerife that that do a lot of things well. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Nimburg watch them and, you know, obviously they have to watch them because they're in their group and all that, but, you know, it's a team that you can learn a lot from. Um, and, and this is, 
you know, because both of these teams are going to, that could go very far. Um, I, you know, this is another one to kind of go back and watch and, and, you know, the, the, the zone really did work against, uh, uh, against Tenerife. You know, I've been talking all season about their, their lack of outside shooting. And if somebody could drop a zone on them, um, to try to kind of take away a little bit of the, 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 the pick and roll, maybe, uh, you know, where I mean, he was still fantastic, but, uh, you know, this, this was a pretty, this was a pretty important game, um, to, uh, in, in the whole dynamic of, of the, of the league, not just this group, but, you know, you know, teams trying to, to go. And then the last, very last thing is like, you know, you also have to tip your hat to Nimburg for going and, and, and taking this game, um, uh, in, 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 uh, uh, in Tenerife, which is obviously a tough place to, to play. Yeah, I thought I thought Nimberg did a, a good job of making Huertas be a scorer, you know, and, and he did a great mm-hmm. job yep. of that. Like yep. you said, twenty points. But he's a he's a pass first guy. He wants to spread the mm-hmm. ball around. He's a guy who, you know, he had thirteen assists in a game earlier this season. But th- I thought they did a good job of taking away the passing options, make him beat you with his scoring. And uh yeah, it would have been fascinating to see how it would have played out if he stayed on the court. Uh, but yeah, good job by Nimbert closing the game out and great job by Tenerife playing until the final buzzer to keep that tiebreaker advantage. So both of these teams are now nine and two at the top of Group C, but if they finish with the same record, Tenerife will be in first place, Nimbert will be in second. So we'll see how that plays out. Elsewhere in Group C, Nizhny with a huge win over Peristeri. 82 to 76. This was very important game for Nizhny. Both teams were six and four entering this game and tied for third place. So with the win, Nizhny, uh, one step closer to securing a playoff spot. Peristeri, uh, a little bit up in the air. Mornarbar, they beat Bomberg 77 to 73. Massive loss for Bomberg as this is a game that they essentially had to win. Now they remain a game behind Peristeri for fourth place, so a disappointing result for the German club. And Gaziantep picked up a win, beating Riga 86-79. to uh, Dave, any thoughts on the rest of Group C? Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, the Mornar, uh, Mornar Bar um, Bamberg game a little bit later. Uh, just one thing, uh, you know, Fef Riga lost uh, their tenth game in a row, uh, you know. But uh, you know, one of the guys that has been interesting for for a lot of people is Artur uh, Kuros, the 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 guy on loan from from Basconia. Eighteen points, had four of of ten threes. He'll turn twenty on Sunday, and just to kind of give you know, because you know, it's not some something that people may have been you know keeping up with. He's averaged. Uh, twelve point three points, three point five rebounds, one point five assists, shooting eighty. Uh, eight, thirty-eight uh, percent from three-point range. Um, so it's been a, you know, it's been a. Obviously, losing all the games in the cha- in the cha- basketball Champions League has been tough, uh, but he's been able to really produce well at a high level. Um, you know, which is one of the reasons why he came back to uh, to uh, to Latvia. All right, in the last group, Group D. Let's start it off with Bon beating Falco ninety-one to seventy-seven. Bon snapped a six-game losing streak. In all competitions, Falco, this was a big loss for them. They're now tied with Besiktas, of all clubs, uh, for fourth place at five and six. Uh, Dave, you know, the, the German side has been really bad in their own domestic league. Pretty solid in the BCL. Uh, but yeah, now now that they got this win, one step closer to the playoffs. They do have a, an injury concern that we were talking about 
off air. Uh, but what, what do you make of Bond going forward? Because Jeff Taylor, when we had him on the show, was very high on them as, as even like potential title contenders. I don't think I, I see that. But uh, what do you think about the German side with this win over Falco? Um, you know, really, not that much different. I, I mean, okay, not title, not necessarily title contender, but um, you know, I they they have a they really have a great team. You know, I mean, if if I wonder what the what what kind of peop, what what kind of talk there would be about this team if they weren't having the BBL problems that they were having. You know, if they were, let's say, whatever, you know, fourth or whatever, uh, you know, uh, in in the league in Germany. You know, and doing this, if the talk about bond bond would be totally different, um, and uh, you know, and they'd be a lot higher in the in the in the power rankings and, and everything else. Um, so Deleo, TJ Deleo, um, will be out, you know, maybe up to ten weeks. So that probably puts them him out of out of playoffs. Um, you know, that makes the the signing of of uh, Gino Lawrence all the more important. You know, big game. Um, he only had six points, but he dished out ten assists. Um, so. Um, you know that's he's going to be extra extra needed now because of the 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 injury to 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 Deleo. Um Yeah, just a huge win to to continue their 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 um, uh, to continue their campaign. Um, they did win in the in the in the league uh, in the German league. Uh, beat Braunschweig, which is also a team that's been struggling a lot. So, you know, the, you know, they turned the corner maybe a little bit in the BBL, and and now. You know, we're still right up there, uh, right near the top uh, of the of the group. All right, and the rest of Group D: Besiktas beat Brindisi ninety six to sixty seven. Besiktas have made the BCL playoffs every season of the competition, and they might sneak in again this year. They've won three of their last four, despite a coaching change, losing some of their best players. It hasn't mattered. Uh, the Istanbul club winning some games recently to stay alive. Dijon beat Pauk 84 to 77. We mentioned Lamonte Ulmer on the team of the week and Dijon clinching a playoff spot with this victory and Zaragoza with an important 86 to 70 win over Neptunus to move to seven and four and two games ahead of both Besiktas and Falco. So it looks like Zaragoza are, are in a really good spot in terms of securing a playoff spot. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts on Group D? I think I think your words were Besiktas of all of all teams uh, in in fourth place. Uh, you know, this was a team that was more or less given for dead, and and uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, who needs uh, who needs who needs you know maybe your top two players uh, and you know uh, you know a highly respected coach. Forget it. Let's just get rid of them all, and uh, and and we'll start winning games. Um, six players in double figures. McKissick once again was great, and and so was Akpinar. Um, and you know, Brindisi looks like <laughs> they're in last place of all teams. You know, uh, yeah. they're in a three way tie with Neptunus, but and then Neptunus, man, they've they've come back down to to the level that I that I predicted they would be. Uh, I know you were high on them for a little bit, and and and, and I still couldn't figure out. I really couldn't figure out how they were doing it, and now uh, now it's uh, yeah okay. That's they weren't really doing what they were doing. So yeah, tough stretch for for Neptunus after they started the season really well. All right, so that's it for the group-by-group group breakdowns. Let's move on to overtime. Five topics from around the league. First up, stat of the week. I'll go first on this one. I'm going to go with 32 
Besiktas had 32 points off of turnovers against Brindisi, which was tied for the most in the BCL this season. The team that tied them was Brindisi with 32 points off of turnovers in the first game against Besiktas. So Besiktas flipped that around on them. I thought that was pretty fascinating. 32 points off of turnovers for them as they got the big win at home. Uh, Dave, what was your stat of the week? 11. 11 blocks for uh, Mornar Bar um, against uh, Bamberg. Uros Lukovic, uh, a season-high six. Uh, he's second in the, BB- in the BCL. Um, I, I picked him as the, as the blocks leader, and he's, he's, he's only 0.1 behind uh, Hankins of Nimbrook. Um, but Hankins per 40-minute blocks are, four, are 4.0, whereas uh, Lukovic has 5.7 wow. uh, blocks per 40 minutes, and he's got 3.5 blocks over the last six games. Um, so uh, 11, 11 blocks, a BCL record. Wow. All right, next up, surprise of the week, sticking with Mornar. I'm going to go with Mornar beating Bomberg. 77 to 73, mainly because, you know, Bomberg were looking pretty good the last couple weeks. Uh, and, and this was just a game that they desperately needed. Uh, they could have jumped Peristeri in the standings. This is a really important win, uh, for their playoff hopes. But yeah, losing on the road at Mornar is, is not a good look. And Bomberg, they've lost four of their last five. So, you know, not still not in a great position uh, overall. One game behind Peristeri for the last playoff spot. So I'm going to go with uh, with Mornar beating Bomberg. Dave, what was your surprise of the week? I'm going to go Bandirma beating uh, beating Ike in Athens. Um, you know, just uh, they out-energied um, Ike. Uh, Ike just 17 rebounds. All the kids did really well. Um, and I, and I guess maybe it shouldn't be a surprise because Ike have lost three games in the BCL to Ben Dierma the most, uh, against any other team. Uh, but for me, Ike, you know, they knew this was going to be a huge game, you know, wanting to prove that they, you know, that they can do things without St. Rose. Um, but, um, yeah, Ben Dierma, uh, getting the road win. All right. Next topic, best win. I think you could definitely go with Bandirma for this one. Uh, I'll go with Ostend in Group A, uh, beating Lead Cabellus on the road. That was a huge game for playoff implications in Group A. It was kind of like a double win for Ostend because Lead Cabellus falls back a game. They rise up. And also with Halone beating Strasbourg, now Ostend still remain a game ahead of Halone. Uh, and they've won three straight and four out of five now in Group A. So great run for Ostend. Uh, Dave, who had your best win of the week? However, they're doing it. We don't. We still don't really know. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Poe. I'm going to say Poe beating Burgos. Nice. Um, you know they. Uh, you know they're four and seven, two wins, two 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 wins behind. Um, they they've actually won actually both games against Berg uh, against Burgos. Uh, but man, what a tough, tough, uh, finish for them, you know, Jerusalem at Jerusalem, um, against, uh, Antwerp and then at Bandirma. So, uh, you know, to keep in the playoff race there, uh, in the group, um, so group B and, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with the poll. All right. Next topic. The other side of that worst loss. I already talked about this Bomberg losing at Mornar. Uh, that's, that's devastating. You know, Mornar, one of the weaker teams in the competition. Bomberg, 
fighting for a playoff spot. One of the you know the bigger name clubs in the competition, a Final Four team last year. Uh, that's that's just a, a very very disappointing loss to to get, even though it was on the road. Uh, Dave, who had your worst loss? Usually, I would have a have an alternative in case like you took what I what I picked, you know, as a second you know talking point. But I need to say Bomberg, you know, because you know you this is this is playoffs or not. Basically, it's not must win, of course. You know, you still, but um, you know they you know, they've lost uh, they've lost nine of their last twelve games. Um, they're they've lost. Uh, four of their last five in the BCL. They've also lost four of their last five in the uh, in the uh, in the BBL. They just also lost at home in the in the German Cup semifinals uh, to Albert Berlin. Lost by sixteen points. Um, so you know, this is a this is a team that desperately needs to 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 find their way and in a quick way. Uh, you know. Not only be not only in the BCL, also in the BBL. Um, so yeah, and then and losing to a team Mornar, who you have to tip your hat, man. They're four and seven now, and somehow in this playoff race. Um, so, but Bumberg just you know absolutely nightmare. Paris Lee zero points, uh, zero of nine from the field, just one assist. Oof, yeah, and that's Paris Lee who made the All Star five uh, last season. I can't remember if he was first or second team. I, th- I think he might have been first team. Great year with Antwerp hasn't necessarily carried over with Bomberg. And the last topic, bold prediction. I'll go first. Maybe I'm overreacting uh, to the game with Huertas getting ejected and everything, but I'm going to go with Nimberg will make the final four. I oh, was really, wow. I was really <laughs> impressed by them in this game. Uh, I like what you said about Dixon coming in and providing some stability and veteran leadership. Uh, you know, I, I think Booker is a great option off the bench, but Dixon, just a more steady hand, more experience. Uh, I, I think they looked great with him running the show. You have your scores in Wojciech Ruban and Jaromir Bochik on the wings. You've got a, a good athlete with some length at the four spot and Hayden Dalton. You've got Zach Hankins just being a monster around the rim. And then you're bringing off good veterans off the bench too, like Pavel uh, Pumpala and Peter Benda. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this Nimberg team. I'm going to call it and say they will make the final four. Uh, Dave, what's your bold prediction? I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and uh, the one thing, and, and this, and this actually goes to that. I mean, okay, you know, you know, you look at Hankins being a professional rookie, uh, but you know, he handled a guy who's dominated the BCL so far in, in Sherman Dini, um, and so you know, and and that on the road in a tough place to play. So uh, yeah, I, I like it. Um, bold prediction. I'm going to say Burgos don't make the playoffs. Um, you know, they're in a dogfight there, um, at six and five, uh, they, they play at home against Ike who obviously need to write themselves. Then they go to Jerusalem, um, and end against Fechta. Um, so, you know, then they have, they do have a six point win in Spain over Fechta that they, that they do have as a, as a possible advantage. Um, but, uh, but, you know, Anvil's right there. Anvil have, uh, uh, at Antwerp home against Bandirma and Ike, um, and, and X and, uh, though Burgos do own the tiebreak over Anvil. So, 
you know, with 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 Bandirma, you know, still sticking around there. Uh, I'm gonna say Burgos. Uh, not that I want it, uh, but I'm gonna say Burgos uh, don't make the playoff. Bold prediction. Yeah, yeah, bold bold call, but yeah, there's a lot of teams in that mix, and, and Group B is is very tough. So yeah, I mean, somebody has to miss the playoffs, and you you look at it, two really good teams are gonna miss the playoffs in Group B. Either, you know, it's either going to be Burgos, Fecta, Anvil, or Bandirma. All four of those teams are really good. Two of them are going to make it. Two of them aren't. Uh, unless Ike just keep free falling and, and they, in, and potentially even Ike falls out of the mix, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, group B, I think has proven to just be the best group overall. Uh, brutal, uh, brutal getting out of that. You, you know, you look at Anvil. They they would probably be you know a, a comfortable third in Group C or a comfortable second in Group D. Uh, well, they'd yeah. probably be winning. They would probably be winning Group D. Probably, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with TJ Klein from Hapoel Halone. So stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to preview Game Day Twelve and wrap things up. Now they need players to step up big time. Klein attacks off the glass and hits good. All right, so on the show this week, we have TJ Klein from Uned Holon. Uh, TJ, thanks for taking some time out to talk to us. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, congratulations on beating Six Strasbourg. Uh, it was a 101 94 victory at home, big game. Uh, maybe just talk about, uh, you know, maybe some of the keys. Uh, to the victory, I know you guys uh, really shot the lights out. Um, just maybe talk about the keys to this game. Yeah, I mean, I thought a lot of it. Um, you know, our coach since we since we have our new coach, he's talked a lot about uh, it's kind of us versus ourselves. We've got to, you know, we've got to do play basketball the, the right way that we know, and uh, and we've been doing that a lot more. I think the Strasbourg game kind of put it all all on the table as far as uh, we're clicking on offense and everything that we kind of envisioned and kind of been practicing and drawn up and been working with this new coach kind of a uh, hit. And that was really cool to see on the flip side. Um, you know, we need to get our, our defense better and that's been kind of our, um, you know, a lot, a quality, you know, a, a failure of ours this year. Um, something we don't, we haven't done with quality with effort, with energy. And, and we know that. So, you know, it kind of continued yesterday and we've done a good job about scoring our opponents for the most part, but we know that if we want to make a run and, and really make a you know a, an impact in this in this Champions League and go to the playoffs. We got we got to start locking up on defense. Uh, we'll we'll come to the coach a little bit later. Um, maybe uh, you know it's a huge win for you guys because you know you were tied with them in the standings. Now you're alone in fifth place. Uh, you know one game behind Ostend for fourth. Uh, did you guys approach this game as kind of a must win uh, with the playoff impl- implications uh, and also being at home? Yeah, you know, you never want to have, you know, a quote-unquote must win. You know, that puts a lot of pressure, I feel, especially at home. But I knew that we knew our backs are against the wall. We have uh, we have experienced guys and, you know, Ryan Thompson and Rich Howell and Joe Alexander. And they'll let us know Guy Panini then. So it's not said, but everybody knows what time it is. And, uh, uh, you know, especially stealing one on the road, which we did over there earlier, which was huge. We closed it out and uh, have the tiebreaker against them and not have to deal with the point situation. And so we were really happy we got the win. We knew we needed it. And like I said, we're trying to keep pace with Usten. They've been playing fantastic, and they got us at our place, uh, um, which was a, a tough loss for us. 
so we know that we have to be on our A game and uh you know we're 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 playing we're playing from behind. So we gotta be perfect and we gotta hope someone slips up. And you probably had your best game of the season, the BCL season, your first double double. You had eighteen uh points, ten rebounds. Maybe what was working for you more this week, uh also passing the ball uh really well as well. Um, I think it's just like I said, we got we have a new coach and uh his system is really it's it's unique in the way it's it's very simple. It's if you know how to play you're gonna thrive. And uh and if you don't he's gonna teach you how to play. So he knows that, that you know, a defense can't be perfect, so let's just attack its flaws. And uh we we've done that really well so far and teams have had have had trouble stopping us in the domestic league as far as the basketball champions league. So I think that uh this new flow kind of catches defenses on their heels a little bit. There's a little less film for them to watch and and we capitalized. Um, my, my teammates did a great job of finding me, um, driving to the basket, dropping it off. Marcus Foster, Guy Panini, Yogevo Hayon, just, uh, you know, great floor generals. And they, they made my job really easy last night. So I give all the credit to them. And, uh, you know, we're a little low on the big men. So I had to step up and play five, which is not my normal position. And, and I thought everybody did a great job of helping me adapt and, and uh, just keep it rolling. What, what would you say is the biggest change uh, you know, with the coaching, with the coaching, uh, 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 the coaching move that was made. I don't know. I, I think that when and whenever you get a you know a head a coaching change or a staff change, it's just and just naturally it's it's kind of like the refresh button. So everybody kind of has clearer minds and and you, you play a little bit more free and then and so it's only been a month since he's been here and he's a he's a fun guy. Around he laughs around, but he's serious when it needs to when business time is is on. And, uh, I think everybody kind of, they like that culture where it's not like it's everybody so tight and wound up, but we, we know, we know, you know, what time it is. We're, we're all professionals and coach kind of, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't bring guys who, who doesn't, who aren't prevy to what's going on. So I think that, uh, just, just the laid backness, the, I don't know, the energy is just different in the arena and, uh, and in practice and everything like that. And we like it. We like hearing a new voice and, and, uh, I think it's working out well for us. Uh, a little bit more now to you for fans who don't know your mom is uh, Nancy Lieberman, uh, basketball Hall of Famer and, and one of the most influential players and coaches ever in uh, women's women's basketball and also a big impact on the men's game as well. What was it like growing up uh, with your mom being a basketball legend? Uh, oh, there were uh, a lot of perks, a lot of attention. Um, no, it was very fun. The opportunities that I got to experience um, – the events I got to go to, the people I got to meet were, it's unmatched. And you know, I could go all day talking about it, but I, I've just been so lucky and blessed that uh, my mom did what she did. And she came up from a, you know, one parent family in New York where they were shutting off the, the heat and, and air in their house. And she's built what she's done. And I'm very proud of her. So it's been a, it's been a, you know, a treat and a pleasure and, and, and getting to do this. But like I said, I'm just, uh, I'm along for the ride and her, in her world. And I'm just trying to carve a name for myself. Uh, we saw in an article that when, when she was the head coach of the Detroit shock, and I guess you were about four or five, uh, you had uh, help with your shot from Grant Hill and, and, and Stackhouse, And, and another time she told you to stand on the sidelines and you were invited into the Spurs, uh, layup line by Manu Ginobili. Um, do you remember much about being a kid around those basketball greats like that? You know, it was it was frequent back then because she was coaching for the Shock and they were in the same building as the Pistons. But no, I remember a lot of that time. Uh, it was that was that was a really fun time, especially 
it was Jordan in his era and they were good friends. Um, so got to, got to meet him and hang with him for a little, but no, it was, it was cool. Those, uh, looking back when you look at you, like you just said, the Grant Hills and the manager Nobles and guys with these young guys, you know, I say younger guys, but they're not, you know, they're not, they didn't get able to see. They're all about Steph Curry and stuff like this, but kind of guys who, who revolutionized the game. It was kind of cool looking back and seeing, wow, I was, I got to be in a layup line with him, even if I was four years older. I mean, these are just memories that normal kids wouldn't get. And I, uh, I cherish that a lot. And looking back, it brings a smile to my face, but definitely, definitely fun experiences. And, and maybe the story behind you asking Michael Jordan, if, if you, if you can beat the monsters, why can't you beat the Pistons? Yeah, that probably wasn't one of my better questions. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, Got a little ticked off there. I think he gave me back to my mom after that question. Um, that was actually in the Players Tribune piece. Um, you know, that's, you know, people, you know, players are on Twitter and social media and, you know, have a have different platforms to, you know, tell their stories. What was that like for you uh, writing that, that, that piece uh, for, for really a great uh, outlet there, the Players Tribune? Um, it was, it was really special. It was, uh, you know, it was heading into my senior year and I had a lot of, a lot of anticipation and I was very excited for that. So to get to, um, you know, the summer before that I got to spend it, my mom was coaching for the Kings and I got to spend time in Sacramento training with her, getting ready for my senior year. And, uh, not a lot of kids can, can say they did that. And so I just wanted to share my story a little bit, share what I've been doing, uh, especially to the, to the spider nation, the university of Richmond fans. And let them get excited for the season as well. So to to have a platform like that, you know, one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite articles to read every week. Uh, I just love love reading the Players Tribune, and for me to be out there was kind of surreal and kind of see that. So I uh, I'm forever grateful for them for giving me that platform, letting me do that, and to tell my story. I hope that uh, hope it inspires some people. Uh, your father, Tim Klein, uh, played for the Washington Generals. For those who might not know, was the team that uh, regularly got beat up uh, by the Harlem Glo- Glo- <laughs> Globetrotters. Um, you know, actually, some some great players have played for the Globetrotters as well. Um, do you have any any good stories uh, that uh, were told from uh, by your by your parents about the, the Globetrotters? Um. You know, I, there aren't too many too many stories that they've gotten into like that. Uh, I know that's where my parents met. But, uh, you know, one thing about my dad, I, I did hear that, like his son, he had a little bit of a temper on the court. And uh, even though that they were rigged games, as you would all know, sometimes his emotions would get the best of him and he would get a, a technical foul on the court for the refs, you know, siding with the Globetrotters. And ergo, have to forfeit the per diem that they were given for each uh, each day. <laughs> So I, th- I thought that was pretty funny that, uh, you know, his, his ego get over on that one. It reminds me a lot sometimes of myself, but, uh, when my mom told me that I knew exactly that was my dad. Uh, after high school, you decided to go to Niagara. Uh, maybe just talk a little bit about, uh, what led you to start your, your college career there. Yeah, I, um, so I, I really wasn't recruited highly at all out of high school. I thought that I was going to have to go to a, a prep school and or maybe you know uh d2 or something like that and kind of work my way up that way um i got a i got a message uh it's actually very funny on facebook from the coach at uh, an assistant coach at niagara and that's kind of facebook was coming up and that was kind of a, a social media recruiting platform and um i looked into it and i messaged back and and the rest they had me out there with my mom and the rest was history i met uh 
met Wanye Green and uh, Amin Tanksley. They actually transferred with the coach to Hostra. And so when I went out there, I only had a few offers, but I fell in love with it. I fell in love with Coach Mahalik, Coach Fairley, and the staff there. And then uh, went went to Niagara for one year uh, based off limited offers. And we won the league as a rookie. There was my freshman year. We won the regular season. <clears throat> Our coach got the job at Hofstra, and uh, about five or six of us left. So, I mean, Richmond was an un- or, uh, Niagara was an unbelievable stepping stone for me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'd be in my career uh, – at the point I'm at and, and to have the relationships that I do have uh, without being at Niagara. So I, I love being there. Um, Saturday was only one year, but what an experience. And, and then you moved to Richmond. Uh, maybe how you, how you think that move helped you prepare for the pros? Uh, yeah. Well, coming to Richmond is just a different level than, um, than playing at Niagara. Niagara is kind of a smaller, you know, D one. And then you go to a, a pretty big mid major where you're playing consistent, you know, teams on a nightly basis as far as the A-10 or if it's out of conference, you're playing Pac-12 ACC schools. So the physicality definitely, you know, that level definitely rose um, and I had to adapt. So as far as I was changing my body, um, I had to lose, you know, 30, or I had to lose 20 pounds the first year when I got there, my retro year to playing and, uh, and just, just the whole mindset. It's a, it's a quicker, faster, you got to be smarter on the court. And I think that helped me a lot. Um, Richmond plays a very unique style, the Princeton offense, and we call it the Richmond offense, but it's based off the Princeton because that's where my head coach went to school. And it's really a lot of read and react. And it's a lot of dribble handoffs, a lot of, you know, setting down screens, a lot of the way that the NBA is transitioning now where there's not really plays, but there's just actions and things to do off those actions. And so when I went into, you know, NBA workouts or went to that next level and kind of the game was so much clearer for me because I had been doing that instinctively for, for four years with coach Mooney and, and those guys at Richmond. So I think it prepared me for a pro and, and how to just play the game the right way without even having to think about it. And, uh, I really recommend, I mean, I think I talk about it all the time, but if you're an up and coming kid, don't just go to a place for the name of the school, but go look at the system they do and how it's going to help you develop as a player. And I think there's no better than Richmond. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, you know, everybody talks about playing time, but the system that you go into is 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 really just as important, if not if not more. Uh, mm-hmm. at, at, at Richmond, you actually uh, became the only player to to to, to uh, come up with a triple double. Obviously, triple double has you know increased in importance, uh, and you did it twice. Maybe what was that like? Uh, it was, it was very cool to, to get to break, to, you know, break a record and do that for my school, a school that I love so much, but it was the Duquesne game was the first game that I, uh, uh the first time it happened and, and it was at home, it sold out crowd. Uh, I think we just taken lead in the A-10 and it was, it was great. We, uh, I had so many great shooters around me. I had Nick Sherrod. I had playing there now, Chandra Jones, who plays, uh, in the G league for the Northern Arizona sun. Uh, we just had a, a plethora of shooters that really made it easy for me to get my 10 assists. And then um, just the coaches having confidence to, to have the freedom to, to be able to be a point guard out of the post really gives you a lot of confidence and freedom and, and leeway. So I went out there and everything, and you know, it was a perfect night. Everything was falling. And I ended up, I think like 34, 12 and 11. And it was, it was the most special moment, you know, of my college career. I can say that um, individual, but uh, it, it was it was surreal. 
Um, professionally, then for your rookie year in, in 2017, you uh, ended up with uh, Galatasaray um, and ended up leaving after only five games. Maybe what did you learn from that experience? You know, it's, pro- it's probably not uh, the way you want to start your professional career, but maybe what do you take back, you know, looking back on that? Oh, I mean, the, the, about that situation, there's only positives from it. Um, you know, it was such a, it was, it was a whirlwind to go from, from uh, the States over straight over to Istanbul, Turkey and high level pro basketball. But I had guys like Scotty Hobson and, and Dwan Summers and Richard Hendricks, really guys who know the game and are, and are veterans to help me through there. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't thank those guys enough. Um especially Scotty Hobson took me under his wing and, and, and was just a great leader and, and mentor. So when uh, that situation kind of crashed, I think a lot of people, two or three guys left that team. And I was just uh, one of the first or second ones. Um, me and my agent had talked about it, but it was an unbelievable experience to learn, to see, first of all, to see the country of Turkey, the city of Istanbul, which is gorgeous, kind of get a new culture and then also see that high level of play. Turkey is one of the best leagues in all of Europe. Um, they have amazing teams in, in every European competition. And uh, to get to see there and, and learn the physicality and stuff, it, it, it was definitely nothing but beneficial for me. So I took what I learned over there and brought it right over here. And I think it's helped me a lot when we're playing against, you know, different European teams um, who you might not see on a daily basis like, like we do over here. And you've been at uh, Halone since then. Uh, maybe just in in general, how you found the situation there? Yeah, we had. Uh, I was here on a two uh, coming from uh, coming from Turkey. I was here on a two year deal, or the you know that one plus one, and then um, stayed here last year. And then you know we spoke about it, and uh, the owner, well, the, the coach left, and the owner Shlomo had said the same. The GM had saved the same, so there's a level of comfortability. Um, last year, I actually got hurt. I herniated a disc in my back in March, and so I didn't get to finish the season. And we had some other injuries, and it kind of went downhill. We lost in the quarterfinals um, of our domestic league and really gave us a bad taste in our mouth. Uh, we have such good fans and such good support behind us that, you know, we, we want to make an impact and we want to make history like we did my first year here when we won the cup. Um, so I think I wanted to come back for that reason. It, it's comfortable. I think that we have a real chance, you know, management knows, knows how to put together a team and we have a real chance to do something special. And I want to be a part of that. You mentioned that the cup, you know, it, it, it had been, uh, it had been a long time since, since Halon had, had, had won the cup. Uh, obviously there's the superpower Maccabi, uh, in, in that league, uh, there's also Hapur ha- ha- Jerusalem, which people know, uh, mm-hmm. from the Champions League as well. Uh, maybe just what it meant for, for you and for that organization to, to get the cup. Well, I think it, it was the first time, in, and I don't want to, don't quote me on how many years, but it, it, was, it was the first time in, in a while that they had won a cup. And the way that we did it was just, it was special. We had, um, we kind of had Maccabi's number that year. We had, I mean, when you go back and look at the team that we had that season, you know, we laugh about it sometimes. We had Joe Alexander, of course, Glenn Rice Jr., Two Holloway, Tayshawn Thomas, Amir Black, Corey Walden. I mean, the, the names go, it's endless. And, uh, I mean, just guys that, that was perfect. It was a perfectly set team with talent and in their time and their career and everything like that. And it was just special to, to be able to, to be in Halone and raise that cup up in front of the whole city at, you know, midnight when kids have school the next day, but they don't care they're there because we just want to, I mean, it's the, at, you know, on a buzzer beater at Maccabi, it was, 
you couldn't have written, you couldn't have written it any better. And, uh, that was a special moment for this group, special moment in my career. I know for all of us. And, uh, that's what kind of makes us strive to go forward. Just moments like that, that'll change your career. And, you know, you're sitting here two and a half years later talking about it on a podcast. So it's just, it's special things like that. Um, obviously, um, you know, getting it, you know, being part of a, you know, being in a country, you, you, you become part of the culture and, and every, everything around you. Um, uh, and then, you know, you got your Israeli passport and even played with the, with the national team, uh, last February. Um, just maybe talk about that whole process and, and what it's been like for you to be part of, you know, a, a, a team that is sort of in re, in rebuilding. Um, and obviously, you know, with youngsters, uh, you know, the U, the two U20 teams, uh, having great success, maybe just part of that, uh, next generation, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think Israel's got a lot of reason to be excited in these next couple of years. Um, the young talent is crazy with Benny and, you know, even Yamadar over at Hapoel Tel Aviv. There's just, I mean, I don't want to leave anybody out, but they're just a plethora of young kids that can really, really play. And you think, well, they can just play for domestically. No, they, they can they can play at any level. And so I think there's a lot of, a lot of reason for excitement. Um, I know the under-20 national team won it this past year. And, uh, you know, everybody's really excited for that because they're, you know, they're, they're a prideful group out here and, and they really, really, you know, care for their own. They're, they're at every game home on the road. If we go play in Italy or something, you guarantee there's going to be really fans there for the national team and to get to play with them and kind of get to know those group of guys, um, just more than just my teammates, but the actual domestic national team guys is a really cool experience. Uh, they're all just, they're straight A guys and uh, they look out for you. And they're loyal and they embrace me with open arms. So I had a blast playing last year. Uh, we got to play at home against Germany and beat them. And then we got to, to play against Tia Dosic in Serbia. And that didn't go so well out, out in uh, Belgrade, but just the experience to represent a country and, and you get to hang out. I think it's, it's a, it's a unique and a, a once in a lifetime kind of deal. And I was very honored. Um big disappointment that you guys weren't able to make it to the world cup i imagine but also that you guys were so close there there must have been a, a certain level of of you know we accomplished you know something uh, in getting to the second round and 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 getting this close no yeah well it's it's all perspective um you know heading into the game against germany we had to beat germany and serbia had to lose i believe iceland or something like that so the odds of that happening, both happening, were very slim. Well, when they both did happen, now you're like, wow, all we got to do is beat Serbia and we got a chance. Now, it's not all we got to do, but comparatively to where you were before that game, your percentages have gone up. So, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was that kind of, you know, I mean, that, that, you know, do or die where they brought all their guys from the EuroLeague teams and from China, Radulica and all those guys back. And then the opportunity to get to play them was really cool. But yeah, it was, it was, there's a, there's a little regret, but it's all, it's all perspective. You got to think of where you were if before that game, we, nobody would have thought Iceland would have beat them or, you know, I mean, that would have happened. And here we are with a chance in Belgrade, Serbia. So we were extremely, you know, grateful for the opportunity to be right there. That's all you can ask for is, is given one game to, to win or go home. And I thought we played well, those guys just, they're amazing. They got uh, Lucic. They, I mean, all those guys just throwing lobs. Kiedos, it, it's insane. I have a new level of respect for, for Serbian basketball after that game. And, you know, we held our heads high and, and we're ready for the next European challenge. 
uh, part of the podcast interviews is uh, asking uh, the BCL fans on on Instagram for questions <laughs> for questions to our players. And uh, uh, Giulio Piss would like to know uh, maybe pregame music that you have. Pregame music that we're going with right now. Um, a lot of Mac Miller and a lot of Chance the Rapper. I uh, I don't like to get too excited for. The games, um, you know, I don't like to get overly excited. I like to try to keep mellow, stay even keel, and uh, those two, the kind of music, Chance the Rapper and Mac Miller, are two of my favorites of all time, and uh, it really gets me in a nice mode. Uh, Tim Stern, twenty-five. Uh, what do you think about the home fans in Halone? Uh, I mean, I think they're, you know, they're some of the best fans in all of Israel. They, it's, you know, if not the best, they. Uh, after every game, they're there. Before every game, you know, you know, during. I mean, the the, the chanting and the, the the crowd is, it's unmatched for every game. And they're there, and they're win or lose, and they're diehard, and we we appreciate them so much. So I love the Purple Brothers. We uh, we hope y'all continue to support us, and, and thank you. Fashion Insta World uh, wants to know why have you stayed at Halone for three years, which you kind of talked a little bit about, and how is life in Israel? Uh, stayed in Halone. This is one more year. Like I said, it's, we got unfinished business out here. Uh, I got hurt last season and I really wanted to finish the job. And then what was the second part of that question? How life in Israel is, uh, life is good in Israel. Um, the whole country for the most part is on the beach. Uh, decided this year, I decided to live in Tel Aviv, which is a change of pace from Halone. And, uh, I'm actually loving it. It's uh it's a beautiful country. They've got a lot to offer. And uh, I got no complaints right now. Uh, those are the questions I I, I do want to ask you um, uh, about the Nancy Lieberman TJ Klein basketball camp. Um, mm-hmm. You know what it's like to you know have your name on it on it now as well, and uh, what it what it means for you to you know probably down the line you know maybe have some you know a couple of kids uh, you know say hey you know being part of this camp helped me you know become a professional down the road. Right. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's special. You don't get to see, you know, to, to do anything that your, that your parent does or that you're, you know, in their line of work is special, but for, for my mom and I to be able to join forces and, and me kind of join her team in this basketball camp was really special. When I became a pro and, and we talked about it, um, I got me choked up a little bit just because it's, it's how I, it's how I'm doing what I'm doing now. It's the basics. And, and as you know, from anything anybody does in life, you don't just run. You walk and you gradually get better and you gradually get better. And it's and it's time and it's patience. And we've had kids come into this camp since they were in fourth grade and now they're seniors in high school and they come back and look what they're doing. They're about to get, I mean, there are kids with college scholarships that, that have been coming to our camp for every year. And when they come back and, and get to see their growth and the new move that they did and the new thing they took away from our camp, it really is um it's breathtaking. So if I just know that I'm that kid who didn't take basketball seriously and only had one offer to Niagara. And once I finally learned the, the lesson of hard work that I'm, I'm able to take my game to a new level and accomplish a lot of my goals and my dreams. I know that these kids can do the same thing. So my mom has been preaching that as long as I can remember. And, and I'm, I'm fully supportive. We love kids. We want, we want them to have the same opportunities as everybody else has. Um, Dallas has a great Metroplex for young and upcoming talent. And, uh, you know, if, if your kid is in the Dallas area, 
and he wants to get better for a week and, and you want to send him to some guys who love and will take care of your kid, we got you. So please uh, please sign up at nancylieberman.com. All right, let's uh, let's get to uh, back to the BCL for the final question. Next week, you guys are on the road at Manresa. Um, they beat you uh, in Israel, ninety to eighty-eight. Uh, you know, you guys just picked up an important victory over Strasbourg. What do you guys have to do to get another important win? Um, you know, we when we played them, I think. Well, first of all, I think ball movement that was big against them. They uh, they really try to. They're a system team. They're a Spanish team, and they know what they're doing. They're they're taught very well. So I think that maybe this, you know, our offense can uh, can give them a little bit of trouble because it's a little little sporadic and uh, it's organized chaos. And so coach knows exactly what he's doing. He's he's playing a game of chess over there. So that can be good against some some teams like that. But I think that it's going to come down to fighting, and it's going to come down to in the post. They're uh, they're a physical team. I know they were missing some of their guys uh, last year or last we played them. So we know it's going to be a different battle and a different team and. Uh, We've seen what they've done in the Champions League this year, and it's really impressive. They've had some really good wins, and they seem like a team that's rolling. So we're going to have to come in on the road, which we know is twice as tough as usual, and uh, just be so locked in. All right, fantastic. Uh, TJ Klein from Wounded Halone, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking some time, and uh, good luck in the uh, in the uh, playoff race and uh, and also in the domestic league. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks again to TJ Klein for joining us on this week's episode. Thanks to all the fans on Instagram who submitted some questions for that interview. Uh, Dave, what did you think about your chat with TJ? You know, just anytime you get a guy that's, you know, had the interaction with, with, you know, great players, uh, you know, great superstars of the NBA. It's always it's fun to hear those stories. Uh, you know, for BCL fans, I think, and, and actually the fans of Halone, um, you know, it was interesting hearing him talk about how the, the sort of mentality and, 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 Freedom might be a little bit too far, but, you know, he mentioned that it was just, you know, more relaxed now uh, with the, the coaching change. Um, and also, you know, that the teams, you know, might, you know, haven't been able to, to you know, figure out the, 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 the changes uh, that they've made so far. So, uh, but a really, you know, a nice, a nice, um, a nice chat and uh, you know, happy for, for him. Uh, that he's really been able to find a home there in 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 Halone and also be part of the culture now with the Israeli national team. All right, so let's take a look ahead to game day 12. Like we mentioned, only three games left in the regular season, 13 playoff spots up for grabs. So these are going to be this is going to be a very intense week. Uh, Dave, looking at Tuesday's schedule, the one that jumps out to, immediately to me is Bandirma versus Fecta in Group B. Bandirma five and six in sixth place, Fecta six and five in fourth place. So that's going to be a super important game. Uh, what else are you looking at from Tuesday's schedule? Uh, I yeah, so that's probably the the probably the biggest game. Falco Simpati, um Falco uh, against Besiktas, fourth uh, against fifth uh, in Group D, five and six, five and six. Um, obviously, a big game for for Falco to 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 um, you know 
stay in the playoff race there. And also Manresa, Manresa at home against uh, Halone at five and six, and uh, and Manresa at seven and four in Group A. You know, if Halone do want to make the playoffs, that's a game they really kind of need to steal on the road. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and on Wednesday, Burgos versus Ike. I think is is going to be a pretty interesting one. Dave just called it with Burgos missing the playoffs, but if they beat Ike, uh, that's going to throw the top of Group B and in, into all sorts of chaos. Uh, so that one's going to be really interesting to watch on Wednesday. Uh, in the first leg of that, Ike beat beat Burgos seventy four to sixty eight, uh, but of course that was a different Ike team. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they respond on the road in Spain in a tough place to play. Uh, Dave, what else do you have from Wednesday's games? I, I think with that Ike game, uh, you know, you look at Bandirma scoring ninety six, and obviously Ike was a real defensive minded team with 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 Saint-Rouz sort of at the leader uh, part, you know, as, as the as the leader of that. So maybe watch how many points Burgos was able to score or not score. Uh, otherwise, Ostend, uh, 6-5 at home against against Turk Telecom. You know, they're in that dogfight uh, in um, in Group A. Um, you know, if they can if they can somehow grab a home victory over Turk Telecom, uh, you know, that would be a huge uh, boost. Uh, and then if and then if if Manresa could beat Halone, you know, then you're talking, you know, that uh, uh, Osten would be seven and five and and Halone would be five and seven. And I don't know the I don't know the the top of my head, you know what the what the uh, matchup between Ostend and Halone, but you know they may may even already be through uh, with a victory. Um, and, and just you know, because you mentioned three spots are 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 um, are are uh, already taken in the playoffs. Really, there's only four teams that are out of it. You know, you look at Tyrone uh, at two and nine in Group A, in Group B. Um, you know, I would say Antwerp at three and eight, you know, Post, you know, they could somehow sneak in at, at four and seven right now. Um, and then Gaziantep at three and eight and, and Favriga at one and 10. But otherwise, everybody else is still in this, uh, in, in the playoff race in their group. So, you know, you know, we didn't talk as this week, uh, as much, you know, uh, about all the thrilling games that there were last week. But there's, you know, the, all those playoff implications are still there um, because all these races are still there. Yeah, it should be another very intense week of Champions League action. Uh, like we said, three games left until the playoffs. So with basically everybody still alive, the, these, the, the playoffs have already started, essentially. You know, the, these are elimination type games. Uh, this is going to be some really intense action over the next couple of weeks. So make sure you subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch all of these games live or on demand. Go to the official website, championsleague.basketball, for all of the stats and analysis and everything. Check out the Champions League YouTube page for the highlights. Uh, Dave, any, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Just enjoy, uh, you know. Just enjoy the uh, all these great games that that have uh, so much meaning and and all these and every point, you know. Especially because all these tie, all these teams are going to be in tiebreakers, uh, you know, three way ties or whatever. Every point is going to be in battle, you know. So just gotta, you know. Uh, you're going to be down to the very last second, even if it's a even if it's a, a, a ten point game. You know they're going to be trying to fight. You know get it down to a six point loss or whatever. So uh, just just enjoy. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks again to our guest TJ Klein from Unet Halone. 
Thanks to the fans on Instagram who submitted some questions for that. For David Hine over in Germany, my name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast.